How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me, as usual, is Leonard. And this is a show about wrestling. And we decided to stick with SummerSlam season just a little bit longer. And last year, we did some of our favorite SummerSlam events in total. This year, we thought we would go in a different direction and talk about some of the worst SummerSlam main events of all time. So... For those of you who haven't seen some of our favorite lists or worst lists before, Leonard and I kind of approach these in different ways. And I, to make it a little bit more fun so that we're not always just picking the exact same matches, I try to go in a little bit of a different direction Mm -hmm. in that I'll pick some that maybe annoyed me for a specific reason or ones that kind of stick in my craw for whatever reason. So um, keep that in mind as we go forward. And you'll have to let us know what you think and what matches come to mind for you that are the worst. So we talked before we got on here, Leonard, about uh, honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple that I I looked at here that um, I was close to using and i decided maybe not to ultimately and you know i'll mention it here because i do think it's worth mentioning which is from SummerSlam 2020 the fiend versus braun Strowman in a falls count anywhere match for the universal championship and in context this was very much a covid era main event there was no crowd and the match one of the reasons why i think the match doesn't work at all is although there was a inherent storyline with bray wyatt and braun Strowman being a part of the same faction at one time Mm -hmm. this match was not very good they did not have very good chemistry and the false count anywhere aspect was not used very well at all they, you know, had Braun tear up the ring mat at the end to expose the wood planks beneath. Um, but the match was only like 12 minutes. And uh, it just it just wasn't it just wasn't very good. And you would see the Fiend win this match and, be, you know, become the Universal Champion. What's interesting about him winning here is that at the very next pay-per-view payback, you would see Roman Reigns win, returning as a heel and he would win the Universal Championship, and he continues to hold it to this day. So that's how long ago <laughs> we're talking about with Reigns being on top. But, uh, yeah, Braun Strowman versus The Fiend, I was not a fan of overall. Uh, you know, the, the crowd being absent is, is a big deal. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so that's my honorable mention. Leonard, I'll let you go first with your number three. Sure. No, real quick, I, I, I will. I lied. I will throw an honorable mention at you. Do you know what the main event was of SummerSlam '91? '91. So, is that when Warrior and Hogan teamed? Yes. And the reason I asked you that is because when I was looking at the list, it's Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa. Right. And I had zero memory of that. That's funny. I had zero memory of it as well. And I had thought about going back to rewatch it. You know what I remember about that match? I remember the poster. 
I remember the poster because it had Warrior in camo kind of get up. Yes. And he and Hogan together. And I remember the, the poster was striking, but the match itself, I have absolutely no recollection of. <laughs> right. And I, and I was going to take I was going to take a look at that, and I wound up not doing that as well, but that was one I was interested in looking at. Maybe it deserves uh, to be honorable mention for that reason. Yes, because it was completely forgettable. So with my list, I wound up going with not only what I felt were bad main events, but memorably bad main events. And I actually found three in a row, three straight years that are considered to be just the drizzling shits. And I'm going to talk about those in chronological order. So you'll figure out where I'm at very quickly uh, because I'm going to start out with Lex Luger versus Yokozuna from 1993. Yeah. You know, the best part of this to me was Randy Savage coming out as the MC for the main event with Aaron Neville waving an American flag. And then he sings the national anthem. And Bobby Hume's commentary is great on this as well. His outfit. The outfit is great. Savage's outfit is epic on another level. Yes. So that's the best part of the match. So, you know, to recap heading into this, Lex Luger turns face by body slamming Yokozuna on the 4th of July on a battleship and then literally chases him to SummerSlam for a title shot because he's driving a bus, the Lex Express. Right. And I think why this is memorably bad is because it is completely 100% poised for Luger to win the title. And he doesn't. He wins the match by count out. There's balloons, there's confetti, there's fanfare. They act like Luger won the Super Bowl, the presidency, and was the first man to walk on the moon all put together. Yeah. And he, he won by count out. He doesn't get the belt. Now, from what I've read and heard, it was because Vince McMahon thought the money was in the chase, and he wanted to extend that chase through WrestleMania. The, it, to cut you off just for a second, yeah. I have heard that, but I've also heard that Vince was finally starting to see that Lex Luger might not be the answer to his prayers at this point. You know, okay. well. Maybe it was too early at this point. But or maybe it was closer to WrestleMania that he started to see that about Luger. But at some point, like the Luger shine was starting to really wear off because he was, you know, historically not the most well-liked person in the locker room and right. wasn't the easiest to work with and all that stuff. So, yeah, whether or not that plays a factor in the timeline, I don't know, but it would be a factor at some point. So. Sure, you know, and the match itself is, is pretty bad, considering who you had it in there. I mean, it was a lot of basic strikes and moves. Uh, Luger didn't look bad, I thought. He had a nice drop out of a body slam early on. He had a nice elbow drop early on. He got some nice air on. Uh, he comes off the top rope a couple times, which is cool to see out of him. Uh, but as a main event, there's just not much meat on the bone here, unless you count all the bulk that Yoko was walking around with. Uh, it's nearly 18 minutes and way too long for that. I mean, it should have been like 10, even though I know it's the main event. Uh, but we're going to get to some other short main events as well coming up here. Um, you know, I, I, I think it would have been fine if you cut some of the filler, filler, like all the stuff they did on the outside. There was a lot of dead space between moves. And the crowd was pretty dead for most of it as well. I mean, which you can really see Luger has all these kickouts. He has all these kickouts and close three counts to no reaction, little no reaction, which the crowd should be going nuts for, and, and they're not. So, you know, that's a memorably bad main event, mostly for the outcome, 
which most people didn't think was in doubt and wound up being not what was expected. Right. And this match would will be on my list and uh, I'll savor some of my thoughts for when, okay. when we get there. Um, so my number three might come as a surprise to Leonard. I don't know. But in looking at the list of SummerSlam main events, like I saw the ones that Leonard is going to talk about and Leonard's picks just before he even gets to them are all very, very good. <laughs> and, and probably the definitive list. If Yes. Good, good by meaning bad. Um, but there were one stuck out to me and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what, damn it. I'm going to talk about this one. And that would be from SummerSlam 2005, Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. Oh, and here's why I'm going to pick it. Now, technically was the match horrible. No, but this match could have been a match that we talk about in fondness to this day. Mm -hmm. Look at the rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18. People still talk about how great that match is. Nobody talks about this match in a positive light because this match has turned into a joke. And there's no other way to say it. I've not met anybody who says, yeah, that was a really great match. And I loved seeing two of my favorites in the ring together. Nobody says that because everybody looks at it in one way. And that is that Shawn Michaels oversold to make Hogan look like an idiot or whatever the reason. And that's just how this match's legacy is going to be etched down in the history books to me. And it kind of makes me angry, not because, like, I think Hogan deserved better. He was old here. Like, this was, you know, north of even his comeback run. So, like, he didn't have a lot to offer. I understand that. Shawn Michaels still did have some to offer. But I, I think that they could have worked better together. I've never heard Hogan say a bad word about this. Um, you know, so maybe he doesn't have a, a problem with it. I don't know. But I just think that if you look at Sean, the way Shawn Michaels approached this match, I think it's very cartoonish. And very clearly he's trying to send a message in some way, shape or form. So I just think this match is just a shame that it's not, it wasn't treated with a little bit more seriousness. But maybe you disagree, Leonard. Well, you know, from what I've, I've heard, it was supposed to be a three-match series, and that became one match, and right. Logan politicked behind the scenes, and Sean just wasn't having it. And, and we've talked before, especially in our fever dreams, that the, the a certain era of Shawn Michaels had a lot of stroke backstage and politic backstage and would pull stunts, you know, losing a smile and crap like that. And, and I think that's just the Shawn Michaels can be a prissy bitch. And right. that's what he was here, uh, I think. And, and, and that's not me defending Hogan either, because Hogan can certainly want what's good for him, brother, and don't care about nobody oh, else. Oh, yeah, his politicking is, is legendary. And So yeah. I think this was Shawn getting out politicked and not knowing what to do. And he was like, this was his retaliation, was the overselling. And it is funny now to look back on. Again, like you said, this could have potential. I think a three-match series between the two of them, if they took it seriously and yeah. did it right, even at that point in their careers, could have been really epic and really cool. And it wasn't. And Sean's overselling is just today, it's comical, and it's right. certainly not good and, and that's how it's remembered it's remembered for his joke selling so if sean's goal was to 
be remembered on top of Hogan for this, then he got that out of it. Yeah, and, you know, the whole three-match series thing, I've heard that as well. And, I mean, for maybe that was talked about, but, like, for him, for him being Shawn Michaels to think that this was actually going to be a three-match series, to me, is like, at, at Hogan's age at this point, yeah. it's like, I mean, did you really expect that to happen? Like, name one three-match series that Hogan has had since he's been in his retirement years. Like, he had two matches with The Rock, and those were like 12 months apart. So yeah. anyway, um, again, technically, is it the worst match? No, but it, it's one of the matches that annoyed me. So we will move on to Leonard's number two. Again, going in chronological order, we're up to The Undertaker versus The Undertaker from 1994. Uh, you know, this was a dumb storyline that was played for comedy with all the vignettes of people claiming you have seen the undertaker you know you had a guy that said he sold him a kosher sandwich at a deli and a little kid <laughs> yeah, like, wings that and all that stuff i forgot about all that stuff and yeah. it's just so ridiculous like what and then leslie nielsen is playing frank drebin from the naked gun movies trying to find the undertaker uh so again you know to recap how we got here at Rum the royal rumble that year yokozuna beats the undertaker in a casket match with the help of just about every heel out of the back and him stealing the urn from Paul Bearer. And as he's getting wheeled out in the casket, a camera comes on, the Undertaker gives some sort of spiel. And then we see what looks like the Taker going up into the rafters, which fun fact, it was Mario Gennetti uh, dressed as the Undertaker. So a few months later, Ted DiBiase, who originally brought the Undertaker into the WWE, says, I brought the Undertaker back. And he debuts him on the Heartbreak Hotel, which was a short-lived uh, interview segment with Shawn Michaels. And then Paul Bearer comes back and says, that's not the real Undertaker. I have the real Undertaker. And that leads to this match. And uh, the fake Undertaker, also known as the Underfaker or the Overtaker, is uh, primetime Brian Lee. And I was not watching much at this time. I was 15. I was catching things here and there. And I remember seeing something on Raw or Superstars of, of the Undertaker and being like oh okay it's the undertaker maybe he's he's with him now cool and i think too when you just look at brian lee by himself back during that time during kayfabe and all you could go oh okay but when this match happens and they're in the ring together yeah i knew you were gonna go here yeah way taller way bigger than brian lee you can definitely tell a difference to him when they're face to face in the ring. And, and this is also the air goes out of the crowd. Yes, yes, yes. Cause it's not, and I know I, I think it's maybe Vince says it's like looking in a mirror. No, no, it isn't. And I do like this is the start of the purple Undertaker era. Yeah. The real Undertaker is purple and black. Lee is gray and black, which is it's like when you and your friend are playing like Mortal Kombat and you take the same character. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, gotta do, we gotta do a palette swap to remember who's who here. Uh, this match is under nine minutes, but it felt a lot longer due to the very methodical and slow pace. Uh, it's also pretty lousy because you both guys have the gimmick of, of no selling. You know, Brian right. Lee gets very little here. Undertaker kicks his ass throughout most of the match, but he's no selling everything. So right. it doesn't really look it. Um, there's a suplex from the apron I thought was pretty good. Um, I thought Lee's choke slam that he got looked pretty good. Um, an attempt at a hot shot was botched. It looked really bad. 
Yeah. Uh, the Tombstone pile driver reversal was cool because I think that's probably the first time we had seen that. You know, Kane yeah. would do that years later. Uh, there were multiple tombstones that followed from Taker on Lee, which I thought were overkill. Um, Vince said the crowd was in awe. Yeah, like they, he constantly had to cover for them. And um, was this the match that um, what's his face uh, Freebird was on commentary with him, or is that the next the other match that you're going to talk about? Oh, uh, I believe that's the next match I'm talking about. I believe it, I it was Jerry Lawler. I think Jerry I Lawler think, was on this one. Then yeah. I believe it was Vince yeah. and Lawler. No, yeah. The next match I'm going to talk about was uh, uh, Vince and Michael Hayes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So this match to me had really. I watched all the matches that you're going to talk about. Um, this match had awkward chemistry. The crowd was dead, and they were dead. I think because once they saw this happen face to face, they were like, "Oh, wait, this is stupid." It's like kind of the wool being picked up from over your eyes. You're finally able to see clearly. Yeah. Um, I think they did a whole Seinfeld episode about like once you, somebody points something out to you, you can't unsee it. You know, and that's kind of like the gist here. Like once you see these two guys side to side, side by side, you're like, wait, oh, like this is really dumb, isn't it? Like, like it's, and it is, it's just, it's just stupid. You know, not that they were playing it totally seriously, as you said before with the comedy things, but um, you know, this was just, it was a bad match. And thankfully it wasn't longer than it was. Yeah. You know, in that long-term fantasy booking that I've talked about, um, I have, um, Hulk Hogan, and I have a Fed run by Andy Kaufman. Nice. At one point, I had Andy Kaufman bring in the Underfaker. That's <laughs> the feud with Hogan because he because he couldn't get the real Undertaker. You know, someone else had the real Undertaker, so I had him bring in the the Underfaker. I like it. Yeah. Um. So my number two match again might become uh, come as a bit of a surprise. It is from SummerSlam 2018. It is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. So. If you thought to yourself, wait, I don't remember which one, which match this is, then that's my point. Question, so, is, this, is this their first? N no. Okay. Well, this is not their first match together. Okay. Um, so this match, here's the reason it was here on my list. So this match for starters, it's only like nine minutes and change long. And this was at the end of a stretch of matches that these two had together. And by this point, like I was so completely done, not only with this feud, but this was in the Roman Reigns face era, very much during the time period when Vince was shoving him down our throats, whether we liked it or not. And they were going to make Reigns the champ and you could see what they were doing. You knew they were going for the long game. You knew eventually they were going to put the belt on Reigns. And that's exactly what they did here. Just to recap how we got to this point at the WrestleMania before this, you had Reigns versus Lesnar, and Lesnar won that match. Then you had the Greatest Royal Rumble. I don't know if anybody remembers anything other than Titus O'Neil from that, but Lesnar and Reigns had a cage match, and Reigns speared Lesnar through the cage. Yeah. Technically, they said Lesnar ended up on the floor first, so he won. If you look at the video, it's ridiculous because Reigns rolled to the floor first. <laughs> like It's just so stupid. But anyway, so that was their second match. And then here again at SummerSlam, they have a match. And this is Reigns having his having the crown put on him yet again. And I just, I hated it. I don't like this feud. I don't think that it's nearly as good as what Vince thought it was. And that's why I hope that we don't see it again. Because I think 
when somebody says, tell me Brock Lesnar's best feuds, they will not mention Roman Reigns. They will not. They'll look at, there, there's a Rivals show on A&E that aired just this past week. And the rivalry they chose to highlight with Brock Lesnar was Kurt Angle. Yeah, that was the first one I thought of when you said that. I would probably exactly. say Kurt Angle. Exactly. And after that one, I might go to John Cena. <laughs> like, or yeah. something like that. I wouldn't go to Reigns because I don't think that they have as good a chemistry as they should because everybody could see what they were trying to do and accomplish with Reigns. And that's what happened here. And it's unfortunate that shortly after this, um, he would, uh, you know, come into the ring and announce that he had leukemia and, and all that, that very sad news. He's back now and all that's great. Um, so this is all around that period. And uh, yeah, so that's why I put it here. I like Brock Lesnar's short burst matches. I think genuinely, generally they can be pretty good um, when that happens. This one I didn't like, not just because of the feud, but because it was just a match of finishers. Superman punch, Superman punch, spear, 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 F5, F5, you know, suplex. Su like, it's all it was. It was a match of finishers. <laughs> so, right, right. It's, it, it's, it's like when you're matching buttons on the WWE arcade game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. If you were playing this game at home on your PS5, that's what you would do. You know, you would just do finishers. Um, but when we watch it with real people on TV, you don't necessarily want to see that. Um, so anyway. Yeah, so... Again, chronological order, but I think a lot of people would call this unequivocally the worst main event ever in WrestleMania history. Mabel versus Diesel from 1995. This was for the title, Diesel being champ. Um, it's, you know, as I said, most people would consider this to be the worst SummerSlam main event ever during one of the worst WWF years with one of its worst champions versus one of the worst main eventers they ever had. Uh, this match is a bit over nine minutes, but yet again, it feels much longer. Uh, I know Kevin Nash has dissed this match, uh, much like Luger, Luger versus Yoko. You've got a big fat guy that can't do much and a guy who is never a great worker, you know, trying trying to do something here. It's boring. It's sloppy. It's nothing but strikes. Diesel feels like he's going in slow motion so Mabel can keep up. And it's not like Diesel was a luchador, you know. <laughs> um, even something that should be impressive, like Diesel doesn't dive over the top. It looked awkward. It came across as blah. Uh, there's a segment where Mabel just sits down on Diesel's back and it might be the laziest rest spot I've ever seen. You know, do a surfboard, do a camel clutch. And I do... Yeah, was he doing anything? From that angle, it was hard to tell. No, I don't think he was... He was just sitting on him and breathing hard. <laughs> yeah. Was all he was doing. Now, I think that he... If I remember correctly, I believe Diesel did say, Nash did say that he suffered a back... You know, I was going to ask if he got that. injured because this is one of the big kind of, you know, problems with Mabel. I believe this was the match where Mabel did in, injured, injure Nash. I, I know that yeah. there was an, an injury he talked about. I believe this was it. I believe it was something with his back. So it could be them just giving him a minute to recover by not doing anything. I don't know. Because you could uh, hear mumbling. Yeah, she can hear him. And so what it came across to me as it came across as like Kevin Nash giving Mabel a piece of his mind. Perhaps. MF or that hurt or something. Yeah. Like I don't know, but that's the what that's what it seemed like because then they just sit there. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and then when he Mabel pulls him up, it's really awkward. The ref bump that happens is poorly done. It's not needed. There's running by Lex Luger 
booze that's not needed. I think they were trying to, and I don't remember this at all. I think they were trying to set up maybe a heel turn for Luger and have him poised as as a um, challenger for Diesel. Um, so much stuff not needed and bad. The finish was very lackluster and anticlimactic. Um, a turnbuckle pack is removed and Diesel takes it in the back once, but it really didn't play a factor at, at right. all. It's just really, again, as I said, it's the worst main event and one of the worst years or two of the worst guys on top. Yeah, this period from 93 to 95, um, I mean, it's no wonder that this was one of the lowest periods of the company's history. Um, and this match is just very bad. They had horrible chemistry. And neither of these people were very good in the ring. And you see just how much other opponents have carried them when you watch them here because they look clumsy and awkward. And it, I don't know it, if I've ever seen a good Mabel match. Diesel has, yes, had good matches. Right, because he's worked with good people. And Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Ray Ramon, et cetera. Exactly. And, yeah, um, but the commentary of this match I also thought was bad. Um you know, to me, uh, Michael Hayes, Doc Hendricks, as he was known here, was did not help Vince on commentary. Uh, you know, Vince is fine for what he is, but like he has to do a lot of cover up here, and uh, it, it is. It's just, uh, it, it's just very awkward. You know, it's it's weird to look back and think that this was a main event. I think, mm-hmm. but uh, my number one is a match that Leonard has already talked about, which is Lex Luger versus Yokozuna. And King Mabel versus Diesel is probably worse. But the reason I put this match here is because it literally put me to sleep. (laughs) Did did you fall asleep? Did you actually fall asleep watching this? I did. I did not off. And it was during probably during the period where Yokozuna had a nerve hold on Lex Luger. And I was just... uh, You know, it was just... It, this match was just so boring. And the reason I wouldn't, me personally, label the other two as higher is because those matches are bad, but they're short. Like, they're... Mer- About 10 minutes, yes. They're mercifully short. The Lex Luger match is like 12 or 13 minutes. and It's, it's 18. Almost, it's almost 18. It's like 17, 52 or something. And it feels like an Iron Man match with, mm-hmm. you know, Atom Bomb and Diesel. Or, you know, like just, you know, Atom Bomb and Crush. Like, it just, it's so just long and drawn out and like lex luger is like vomiting patriotism here like it's just like it's yeah. just it's just it's just awful you know in, in so many ways um and you know the lex luger to his credit they wanted him to be a new hogan mm-hmm. and that is probably one out of many factors why he didn't become the megastar here that they wanted him to be because you, you know you can't you know have somebody recreate that that the hogan character right out of the gate like that but well considering it was 1993 and and you know the hogan character was about 10 years out of date at that time right yeah and being super patriotic and then doing the foreign heel you know, they had just did that a couple years, you know, before at WrestleMania 7 with Hogan right. and Slaughter. So I think it was them. This is very much a period from 93 95 where they were grasping at straws. Yes. And that was a straw they were grasping at. Not only the idea of making Luger the next Hogan, 
but going the super patriotic route, trying to make Yokozuna a foreign menace. Right. Uh, you know, th- those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I was looking, one of the other matches I watched, I decided not to put it on because although I didn't like the ending, you know, the match itself was, was fine, um, which was, uh, I believe, what is it, from 19, maybe? I forget, 2016? I forget. But it was uh, Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar. Okay. You know, I, I'm sure you remember that finish, Leonard, where, like, it, it's like a technical knock, uh, you know, a knockout finish. Yeah. And uh, Orton gets uh, busted open the hard way in, in that match. And it was yeah. just a very... Like they give Orton a lot of offense, and that's what I, I'm glad I went back to watch it because I thought that they had given Orton no offense, but they did. They did give him offense. It's just by the end of it, it made him look like, <laughs> look like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, you have like a weird kind of you can divvy up the SummerSlam main events. Really, you have the classic era, uh, which kind of ends in '91, like Leonard mentioned earlier. And then you have the 92 to 95 era. Well, 92 was Bret Hart versus Bulldog, right? Which is great. Yes, Which that is match is great um, for sure. Um, and then, you, you know, you get get into the Attitude era. And uh, after that, it becomes a bit of a hodgepodge. But, yeah. uh, you know, there are sections to the SummerSlam main events, I would say. One, one I'll mention, uh, because I just recently watched the 89 SummerSlam, just because, which was uh, Hulk Hogan and Bruce Beefcake versus Macho King and Zeus. Now, I don't think he was Macho King yet. I think he was just Macho Man. He did have Sherry with him. Right. And, you know, a lot of people would think that would be bad, but that was actually better than you would think, because Zeus, tiny lister, actor, not a wrestler, is very well protected. He's given very right. little to do. Hogan and Beefcake sell like hell for him, walk him through it. Savage is directing him from his corner. So that is, I think, a great example of taking the worst possible person that you could probably have, slapping him in there with at least three veterans. You know, a lot of people wouldn't call Hogan and Beefcake the best in-ring generals, but they know what they're doing for what they do. And I think they were able to work a very passable main event. Yeah, no, I remember that match being entertaining for what it was. Yeah. And uh, it's funny you mentioned about the in-ring generals thing. You you have people over the years who are who are more synonymous with that descriptor, like you, you like your Ric Flairs and your Bret Hart's and your Shawn Michaels and stuff like that. Um, but recently in the A&E biography on Goldberg, like Goldberg talks about that match in the uh, George Dome with Hogan and just how much – Hogan led him through the entire match, you know, so for all Hogan's faults, you know, like you said, he knew what he was doing in the ring. And when he, if it was somebody he wanted to protect, then, you know, he would have done, he did that. I think yeah, as well as anybody could, uh, you know, could he lead you to a five-star classic? No, <laughs> but, no, but he could walk anyone through, I think a passable match. If you yeah. wrestle a Hogan match. Exactly. Right. Um, well, I think that we've talked about the worst ones. And when I looked, uh, I'm sure you did the same research I did looking at various lists. Yeah. And once then I looked at the Wikipedia list, which very conveniently has all the main events listed. And I, I saw it's like, well, God, it's 93 to 95. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's easy. And again, when I was looking at the list, 
and the fact that they fell in chronological order, I went, oh, I gotta go with this. If we're doing just yeah. three, uh, yeah. we talked about just doing three. I was like, I gotta, I gotta go with that. With that, you got yeah. a lot of people. A lot of lists had Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior in the cage, and I gotta say, I disagree with that. Yeah, I disagree with it too because I thought Rick Rude was the Warriors' best opponent, save save for Savage. Yeah, um, and I remember that match being okay for what it was. So you know. I'd have to go back and watch that one, but yeah, I do remember that being being okay. Yeah. So let us know what you think. If there's any match you think we missed or we should have talked about, please let us know. Uh, check out some of our other episodes as well as our stupid question series and our random match reviews. And we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you'd rather listen to us. For Leonard, my name is Chad. We will see you next week, and Alexa will see you out.